Hello everyone. We are back with our fifth episode of Edu Rockstar Talks podcast with Sumedha Sodi. And today's guest is Mr. Robert Dunlop, who has recently written an awesome book on strive for happiness in education. Welcome to the Edustar Talks podcast where we invite some amazing educational rock stars who lives to inspire and loves to encourage hosted by an educator facilitator and the edtech coach Sonedha Sodhi in this show we will discuss about how educators can amplify student engagement shake up learning and can rock the curriculum content with 21st century skills so if you are looking for ways to rock your class stay tuned with us and be the never to be forgotten mr robert dunlop is a middle school teacher and technology consultant his experiences in the classroom and throughout his district have given him a deep insight into the importance of teacher happiness He credits working with thousands of educators as paramount to research for the book he has written recently Strive for Happiness in Education. Robert's teaching journey has been one of peaks and valleys. His work in schools and his role in creating the Terry Fox lesson plans for educators around the world led to him being honored with the prestigious award Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence. Although Robert has enjoyed many peaks through his career, he credits his valleys for his greatest learning. The message he shares in this book, online and through his speaking, comes from his passion to reconnect to his love of teaching. Robert looks forward to inspiring many more educators to find happiness in education. Hello everyone. Today we have Mr. Robert Dunlop all the way from Canada to talk about happiness. a treasure in every classroom hello mr robert i am so happy to have you as my guest today to talk about happiness in the classroom i request you to kindly introduce yourself to our audience so first of all it is a pleasure to be here with you i'm excited about this i've been looking forward to it all day so thank you for that so my name is robert dunlop i'm an educator uh right now i'm doing uh tech consultant but i've been in the classroom for 12 years before that and i've recently just wrote a book called strive for happiness in education um so that's been really exciting um that is really my passion now is helping connect teachers to find more happiness in the profession Thank you so much. Education has a larger purpose to serve and hence it cannot be seen in isolation from the dire needs of today's society. Educators and schools across the globe are realizing the need for well-being lesson for school children. And happiness has now become a part of the global policy agenda. The United Nations General Assembly also recognized happiness as a fundamental human goal according to one of the reports of 2015 by world happiness report schools that prioritize learner well-being have the potential to be more effective with better learning outcomes and greater achievements in the learner's life so here we are to talk about 
why happiness is a treasure in every classroom so mr robert my first question to you is that you have recently authored an awesome book i think i fell in love with that book strive for happiness in education what inspired you to write this book well it's interesting uh, when i wrote this book i was kind of struggling to find happiness in education so i guess i was inspired because i want to reconnect with it i can tell you this really interesting story of when i realized that this was something that was really important though i was um I was doing my tech consultant role and I got this email from this teacher. And if I was to have guessed by the email based on the energy within the email, I would have thought this teacher was brand new to teaching. She was full of energy and life and passion. So that day I went to the school to drop in to meet her for the first time. And I went into this classroom and I was like, is Wendy there? And, uh, this lady who had been teaching for like 28 years comes bouncing across the room with all this energy and passion. And uh, it was one of the most inspiring hours I've had to see a teacher that been teaching that long within the profession um, just love teaching that much. And so I remember leaving the parking lot that day and then pointing down and saying that I had my finger out saying that, that that's what I want. That's what I want to be in education. I want to be someone that loves learning, that loves students, that loves pedagogy. And it took me back to like seeing her when I started teaching and all the you know, the joys I was getting every day and how much I actually loved it. And I was fearful that I was losing that. And I think meeting Wendy that day was a, a really inspiring moment for me. And then later on that month, I actually presented at a university on how to engage students in education. And, you know, I was thinking while I was actually presenting that maybe if I could teach them something more important, it would be how to stay motivated within education. So that started me down this path of um, writing a book of how to stay engaged in education, but somewhere down the line, it pivoted a little. And I, I went from reading about motivation to reading about happiness and realizing that that's really what's, it's so important. And I think uh, my book is about that. It's, um, the inspiration was kind of that I was trying to reconnect to my love of teaching and to be really happy in the profession again. And, you know, I just, on the front cover of my book, I have a saying, it says, there's nothing more powerful than an educator that loves coming to school every day. And uh, that's what inspires me now is that I want to help other educators feel that love and passion of education again. And so they can be the best uh, that they could possibly be for their students. Oh, wow. What an inspirational thought indeed. So what has been your primary focus in this book? The book really um, stems from the idea that we have more control over happiness than sometimes we might think. And uh, one of the interesting parts about writing this book was actually researching the book and, you know, going down that road of reading all about positive psychology and finding the connections to happiness and, and finding where they fit in in education. And I stumbled upon this statistic that said that 50% of our happiness is determined by our genetics, but only 10% is determined by the circumstance. And that leaves us 40% of our happiness is within our control. And I remember reading that statement and that, that study and thinking, well, that doesn't seem right to me. Like it seemed like circumstance. And I was reflecting on when I got really upset in education and, and why I was kind of losing my passion. It seemed like circumstance was much larger than that. 
But then what I realized was this, is that it wasn't what had happened that um, took away my happiness. It was every decision I made after something happened that didn't go my way, that upset me, that um, really put me in that, that bad spot where I wasn't really enjoying education. And it was so empowering to kind of feel that I controlled it again, kind of felt that every decision I make um, can control if I'm going to be happy, whether that's changing my routines, changing my perspective, who I'm um, hanging out with, conversations I'm engaging with, people I'm investing time in. And once I realized that, I found it very empowering. And that really became my mantra when writing the book in terms of my main goal was to how do I help teachers get the most out of that 40% they control? So I think that's what I would say would be my primary focus for writing this is um, letting teachers know they have control over happiness, but also giving them ideas on how to take that control back and how to reestablish and reconnect to the happiness they, they can have in education if they really put their minds to it. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think to what extent happiness of teachers matter in nurturing the happy citizens? I think like anything, like educators are, you know, these really inspiring people to their their students that they teach. It's one of those things that like our students are constantly watching us and modeling what we do and, and what we bring into the classroom in terms of our well-being, in terms of our emotional state, I think really plays a huge role in how they feel and how they act. And I think um, as educators, you know, not only do we need to like model um, these behaviors that will, you know, improve our well-being, but we can also teach them. I think one thing that I'm most excited to when I go back to the classroom is to actually teach students about happiness and about the fact they have control over it and teach them the benefits of pursuing that happiness and how that can impact their schoolwork, how that can impact their future careers and jobs or relationships with people. So I think when we think about our students and creating them to be happy citizens, we need to start with ourselves. And, you know, I think so often because in education, we, we care so much about our students. We, we, we are so student focused, but I truly believe as a system, if we want to really do what's best for kids, we really need to look at teacher well-being. We really need to support teacher well-being, foster that, create an environment where teachers love coming to work and feel good about it. And because that is all going to trick down and impact our students in terms of the quality of education they receive, in terms of the teacher learning. There's so many benefits um, when it comes to um, happiness and employment. When you look at the statistics of employees around the world and those who find they're happier, they, they're increased productivity. There's, there's increase in terms of creativity. There's so many benefits if um, we tap into that level of happiness and it can only do nothing but benefit our students in the long run, I believe. Yeah, while reading your book, even I was able to reflect on those happy moments with the help of those uh, happiness activities that you have designed for teachers in the book. That is really good. I was able to gauge when I was happy in the school my school and when I was not happy in the classroom. Thank you for designing those beautiful activities. 
Well, and one thing about like that too is that in the book, I tried to not only give teachers things that they could do um, to make themselves happier, but how does that translate into the classroom? So I was looking to give ideas on how do you, there's this really neat concept. We talk a lot about self-care, but I love the concept of mutual care. So mutual care is where, you know, you help someone else, but in doing that, you are helping yourself. So I think when we talk about bringing happiness into the classroom and to our students, it's actually benefiting us because it's building it into our day. Currently, I'm doing a staff wellness program on my website, motivatededu.com. And on that, and basically what I'm doing is I'm giving ideas that teach educators could do or people could do as a staff, but also I'm talking about how they can transfer those um, activities to their students. So it becomes part of their program. And then um, that mutual care um, helps everyone benefit from it. Oh, thank you for telling us about that wellness activities. Thanks a lot. You talked about the Japanese concept Ikigai in your book. Can you please apprise us more about that concept? Yeah, Ikigai is a really inspiring concept that comes out of Japan. And, you know, mm -hmm. like I think the version in my book is like more like a westernized version of it. But it's a really powerful way to look at, you know, finding a purpose in your life. And one thing that is interesting is on the island of Okinawa, Japan, where this kind of comes from, is that they don't see work as being work. They want to find their ikigai. So ikigai translates into their reason for being. Such an interesting philosophy that they do not even have a word for retirement in their vocabulary just because they would never want to give up their reason for being. And this place is one of the blue zones. So it has one of the highest life expectancies in the world and disability-free life expectancies. And out of this place comes all these amazing stories of people in their hundreds doing all these um, great things. So the Ikigai philosophy, Ikigai really means reason for being, but what it breaks down to when you see the graphic of it is there's four areas that all intersect each other. And um, Ikigai breaks down to this. What do you get paid to do? What do the world needs? What are you good at? And what do you love to do? And when we think of that as educators and we think of those four frames and how they intersect in the middle of that would be your ikigai, in education, we get paid to do it. And I and, and also it's what the world needs. I would argue it's what the world needs most is uh, what we do is uh, educating the future generations. So we're halfway there. We just need to work on how we get good at it. So how do we improve our pod pedagogy and how do we keep growing? And also how do we continue to love what we do? And this is where the happiness comes in. How do we continue to enjoy teaching? And um, when you look at that, when that becomes your focus and it becomes you're focused on like, what is my purpose? It's not, it's no longer just about going in and, and putting in so many hours a day. Teaching can't be that. It's hard to inspire people if you're just there to put in so many hours and do a job. Like teaching is one of those professions where you go into and you want to change the world. You want to, you want to, you want it to be at the end of your career when you're retiring from education and you're looking back, you feel like I've really made a difference. And I, I just, my goal when I retire from education, 
education is that I want to feel like I fulfilled my purpose. I want to feel like I don't want to retire because my purpose is still there. I actually plan on when I'm um, retiring from my board, I actually plan on continuing something within education just because I don't want to lose that purpose. So I think the idea of Ikigai is amazing because it just translates to what's your um, reason for being and it gives you uh, four focus areas to think about with regards to how you approach work every day. Yeah, definitely. Even while reflecting upon my Ikigai, only students and my classroom was coming into my mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it's, so, uh, it's powerful. Yeah, definitely. Most of us believe that uh, once we achieve success, only then we can find happiness. What are your thoughts on it? You know, at one point, this is what I believed and this is what I taught to my students. I was a grade eight teacher. So my students were around like 13 years old and I used to run a careers unit. And the basis of my careers unit was that, you know what, guys, if you work really, really hard, you will achieve your goals, right? So like, so if you, if you stick in at school and you do all your studying, then you'll achieve your goals. And then I would insinuate that you will find happiness. And, you know, um, in the last like five years since I've been thinking about this and studying this and kind of invested into this book, I realized that I don't really believe that anymore. One book that really changed the way I saw everything was this book by Sean Acor called Happiness Advantage. And in this book, he kind of demystifies that rule of work hard, success, then you'll be happy. And he's in part of what he says is that think of how many people, you know, that work extremely hard, that are extremely successful, but they're not happy. You know, I, I can think of thousands of people I've met in my life that fall into that situation. And he says what we really need to do is we really need to rethink that and his his the recommendation is that we put happiness first. So, and that's my whole thing is making happiness a priority. So we make happiness a priority. And when we make happiness a priority, we work out a passion. We find things we love to do. We pick things we love to do and we, we work on that and we get ourselves doing um, those kind of things. And when we have something we're passionate about and love doing, then we're going to do it better. We're going to work harder because we love it. It's not going to feel like work. It's like they say something like if it feels like work, it's actually stress. When it feels like something you just love doing, it's actually just feels like you're just working on your passion. So it goes like happiness drives the work and then that leads to success. But the success that leads to is a more well-rounded success that involves things like enjoyment, fulfillment. It's not just simply uh, climbing a corporate ladder or getting to the top it's you know getting yourself in a position where you actually love what you do and you wouldn't change it for the world so i think if i could kind of help other educators it would be like you know really make happiness your number one priority work on it put it as a priority when you put something at your as your number one priority you invest time in it you invest energy in it uh what i've discovered is it just doesn't come naturally it's not like you just it just falls upon many people to just find this level of happiness it's one of those things that like anything we want that's worthwhile we need to invest time and energy into it and by by making this happiness your um, number one priority, it really makes you more productive and drives a whole lot of other great things that are happening in your life. 
No, oh, thank you for bringing out that happiness mantra for all of us. Thanks no. a lot. Yeah, no problem. In chapter one of your book, there are very beautiful lines that stuck with me, saying that educators must work towards being as productive and as effective as possible. How do you suggest we can strike that balance between our work and our life? Yeah, I think the the number one thing is to understand that um you know Tony Robbins this uh speaker has this quote and he says that progress is happiness, right? And so and it, it totally makes sense like when we reflect on our lives the things that we are working hardest to achieve and when we're growing we're actually at our most happiness. So I think part of it is the understanding that you know just cuz it's work it's a mindset it's just like when you're putting in effort it's like enjoy that effort enjoy the growth take time to actually sit back and reflect on where you started and where you're going um with regards to work life balance and how we can strike that i actually uh, read i can't remember if it was in a book or a blog or something which i thought was really interesting it talked about we shouldn't be striving for work life balance we should be striving for work life satisfaction So the idea when we say work life balance it's kind of insinuating that the work part is the bad part and the life part is the good part like the life part's the part you enjoy the work part is part of you um you know just something you have to do and i love the idea of work life satisfaction is because work life balance is like it's near impossible to achieve right like it's one of those things that you know you're never going to truly feel balanced if you're you might be putting a lot into work and you're going to there's going to be a part that has to go you only have so many hours in a day but work life satisfaction um when i was reading it they were talking about the idea of you just got to be happy with where you're at with both so in terms of you're doing your best at home and your family life and you know you you have a piece to yourself like i think this is really important is to have a side passion or something that you love to work on or something that you like to invest in like whether it be like exercise or whether it be like socialization or for me it's like i just i just love reading about happiness and positive psychology and working on my book stuff and my website stuff so it's just have that as a piece and then also when you're looking at work it don't try not to get in the habit of thinking that it's this negative thing it's a you know as educators we're really lucky we have these jobs where we can change the world and it's just a perception thing of how you tend to view things right and you know this is one thing that i've learned more than anything was the idea that I can view things differently and I have that choice. Um I read a book called Before Happiness by Sean Acor once and he said in this book happy successful people can see multiple realities of the exact same situation and at the beginning I was having trouble getting my head around it. And then as I thought more and more about the the times that I really struggled it's because I was choosing um a really negative reality to think about. I was focusing on all these negative aspects and when I sat back I could actually write um positive realities. I'll give you an example. Um my job right now is cuz I'm the technology consultant. Um remote learning has become a huge thing. I'm the kind of the key figure in our board doing this and I'm getting 300 emails a day. I'm putting in more hours every single day than I used to put in. It's high stress. There's a lot of demand on me. 
And so when you when you hear me speak like that, it seems like this really negative situation. And that is a reality. If I chose to focus on those points, it would really drain me. But the other positive reality, which is equally as true, is this has made me a key figure in my board's plan. I've developed skills that I never had anymore, especially um, with regards to virtual meetings and things like that. I've got to spend more time at home with my kids and getting to learn more about them. And when I look at all of those and, and I focus on that as being my positive reality, I really feel empowered and inspired to actually go and do this job every single day. So it's about how we look at it. And I think one thing is, is I'm really working on now is not to see work as something I have to do. Seeing work is something that I get to do, especially within education. And um, it, it really changes how it feels when I, when I do engage in it. I really like that term work-life satisfaction. Thank you for encouraging us and motivating us to be more productive and more effective as possible. I learned about uh, inside out approach in your book where you have talked about that we should stress upon the why instead of only what. Kindly share your golden thoughts about this golden circle. Well, this came out of one of the most popular TED Talks of all time by Simon Siddix, who I believe is a, a really great thinker. And in the TED Talk, he kind of talks about how really successful um, companies and people start with their why as the beginning. And then when I look at that in education, it 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 makes so it makes so much sense you know um what i see a lot of and what i've been what i fell prey to in education is becoming very what focused so instead of starting with why i'm doing what i'm doing i'm focused on what it is i have to do so what technology am I using? What curriculum expectations? What teaching style? Blah, blah, blah. And we are so, and those are all really important things, right? They're all important things that we need to think about. But when that becomes um, where we're starting at is our what's, and we forget why we actually are doing what we do. I'll tell you a very interesting story about starting with your why. We run this leadership um, program and it's like a, a retreat thing. And in the retreat thing, we do this whole thing about going back and reconnecting people to why they became teachers. Why did you want to become a teacher? Like my why is I want to change students' lives. So if that drives everything I do, how I do it and what I do, think how powerful that is. Well, here's the thing. At the end of the retreat, we always sit down in a big circle and ask the teachers, like, what was the most powerful thing that came out of this retreat? And every single year, at least three or four people break down in tears of joy and talk about how they've reconnected to their why. And I think in education, we really always got to go back to like when we're the happiest in education, we're so why focused. We're focused on why we became teachers. We, we got into teachers. We got into become a teacher because we love students and we want to make an impact in the world. If you start everything you do, if that drives everything you do, that will change how you're going to do that. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to build relationships. You're going to create communities. You're going to you know bring the best learning forward to them and what are you going to do well yeah you might use a certain type of technology or you might do this but it's all driven from this sense of changing the world change helping students or it starts with that initial why you got into education i really suggest in the book of like really think about what your why is and post it somewhere or wear a physical reminder of your why like 
wear a bracelet or, you know, I, for a long time there, I was carrying a little stone in my pocket that was connected to remind me of something that was very important to me. So when we, when we think about our why, um, when I go back, I'm going to write my why on every single day page, every single page of my day book. So every day I start my job, I'm going to see my why at my top of my page, and I'm going to let that drive me from there. Oh, thank you for telling us about this golden circle in detail. It is actually a golden circle of happiness. Reflection is such an important aspect of finding and maintaining happiness. What strategies educators can follow to impart that skill? You know, I, I think the one for me, it's it's really simple, but it, it really struck me is listen to your life. I think when we're talking about reflection, I think we're talking about finding ways to slow down and, and think about what our life is telling us. If our life is telling us that we're getting bored, then we need to mix it up. Or if our lives are telling us that, you know, we're getting frustrated with something, maybe the, the community that we're teaching, and then it's time to move. I think too often in education, we're so busy, we don't stop to actually take that time to truly stop and listen to our hearts, stop and listen to our lives. What is it telling us? And then and then say, if this is what it's telling us, what decisions am I going to make moving forward? So I think when we talk about those strategies, it's any strategy that will slow you down enough to actually um, write that out. You know, I like the idea of practicing gratitude every day. I use this app called Happy Feed and it, it really slows me down to think of what is valuable in my life and what I what is important to me. And when I reflect on that, it starts to change the decisions that I'm going to make. And it's like this really positive reflective process that I go through daily. And I'm telling you, if you like I used to feel like, yeah, I'm a pretty grateful person, but ever since I've been practicing gratitude, I think I've done it the app 718 days in a row or something right now um and because i feel like it's that really positive reflection time that really helps me um, guide my life in the direction I, i want it to go okay that's very important i think reflection is a great exercise which we all should practice every day totally okay so uh I would like to request you to share one last message with our audience and please tell them where they can find you so that they can learn more about striving for happiness in education. Yeah, I think the message I always like to leave educators with is that you deserve to be happy in education. I I usually end a lot of my talks with the idea of your students deserve a teacher who's happy at the front of the room, but equally as important is you deserve it. You deserve to be happy in this profession. You deserve to, when you retire, look back and think favorably on your career and feel like you had a great impact. As educators, we put in so much energy and time and we put our hearts into these students and we're so emotionally out there and it's it is draining at times but it's also rewarding at times and it's really important to understand that you deserve this you deserve to put yourself as as uh, uh, make it make yourself a priority you deserve to take care of yourself but most of all you just deserve to be happy and when you feel that self-compassion it drives you to actually make those changes that you need to make to find the most happiness you can in the profession thank you so much mr robert for setting aside your precious time to be our guest today 
you are an edu rock star and i really appreciate all your efforts and dedication towards striving for happiness in education thank you once again for joining us it's totally my pleasure i had an absolute blast i loved meeting yourself and the rest of the people that we talked with last week on the book uh, talk that was absolutely amazing so my pleasure uh, i hope we see you guys following online and i'll follow you back and we can learn together about um, being happy in education so thank you very much for having me thank you have a nice day you have just listened to the edu rockstar talks podcast with your host sumedha sodi subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform head over to subscribe rate and leave a review for us it is very much appreciated do not forget to join us next week for another exciting episode thank you for listening to us and we will never to be forgotten